eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field and bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also heard... On 98.5, the bet in Las Vegas and 11.40, the bet in Las Vegas, too. So if you're joining us over the air, thanks for being with us. I am Scott Branson. My co-host Mo Moten will be with us in the second and third segment. So stay right with us there. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Just search Silver and Black today if you're watching us on YouTube. Hit subscribe and don't forget the notifications bell so that you get notified every time we have a, a new video. So want to jump in uh, and, and have a special guest today here in the first segment. We want to talk a little bit about, yes, I know, some people want to move on already, but we're going to talk about Derek Carr. And to do that, Alberto Menzano joins us, an old friend of the show. You can follow him on Twitter, at GMenzano24. Uh, he is now with MMQB and Sports Illustrated, of course. I met you First, remember when you were covering boxing and I was working in boxing in Las Vegas, you went through Review Journal, then you covered the Raiders, Chargers, and then Rams, and now you get to cover the entire league. First of all, for all of us here, congratulations on the new role. How are you feeling now going from covering one team to covering the entire league? <laughs> yeah, uh, first of all, Scott, good to see you again, and I appreciate going with the full name, Gilberto. Some people kind of get hesitant when they see the O at the end. Obviously, you could call me Gilbert. Uh, but Gilberto, I love to hear that too. <laughs> and Scott, I forgot that we actually met through boxing. I think we had yes. lunch together, right? 
we had uh, lunch. in Las Vegas, and I was going back and forth between Raiders and boxing. <laughs> yes. And uh, here we are. You have your own show. Nice show here on the podcast. Over in Black Today, always showing me love uh, from covering the Chargers. Uh, I did that for four years at the OC Register, uh, and then one year covering the LA Rams. So I know the B Reporter lifestyle, but this is new to me. National Reporter, it sounds a little weird. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be the guy who's going to, you know, my buddy Adam Hill in Las Vegas going to be covering the Raiders every single day. I'm going to come out of nowhere and take all his questions just to annoy him. So uh, watch out, people in Las Vegas. I'm that national guy who's going to be in the way. I love it. Also, I forgot to mention your podcast, of course, The Compass, which you can catch as well uh, to to anywhere you can get your podcast as well. So make sure you do that. So, of course, you're busy like everyone else now. you got to be in every format. But people want to listen to you guys talk as well, too. And your show's great, too. You get to hear two sports writers kind of go back and forth about a bunch of different stuff. And you're like, Mo and I here on this show, it's funny, sometimes some listeners – get upset because why are you guys talking about food? It's like, well, we're human beings, right? Yeah, We're all about football and all that, but at the same time, people like to get to know you. So anyway, but but uh, we appreciate it. And yes, you've kind of covered it all. Covering the entire league will be fun, especially uh, where you're at with MMQB is going to be fun as well. Uh, so let's dive in. You have a story. You wrote a story about the five destinations where Derek Carr could end up. And we're going to get to that in a second, but I got to first start with this. Because you've covered Derek Carr and you've covered the AFC West via the Chargers. Um, it's a complicated question, but I want to get at least your fresh answer to this, and it might change over time with history, everything does. But Derek Carr's legacy, Derek Carr's legacy with the Raiders, I want to get your take on that because, as you know from covering the beat, he's a polarizing figure in Raider Nation. A nice guy, does great things in the community. You, you can't argue with the fact that he's a nice dude. But as far as his tenure as the quarterback of the Raiders, um, it's a it's a mix of, yes, a lot of it wasn't his fault. I mean, the organization has been a dumpster fire at times, and he's been there through all of that. But when you look at his career, I'm interested to hear what you think of today uh, about Derek Carr as a Raider and sort of how you would maybe describe that tenure. Yeah, Scott, you know, I've been thinking about it, too, because it, it was a, a productive one. But if you if you really kind of get down to the nitty gritty, it was one that fell short in terms of playoff wins, appearances uh, and going far. And the comparison that I make is, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford. But the difference with Matthew Stafford is like you knew that was a real dumpster fire. You couldn't do anything <laughs> about it. And but the fans respected Matthew Stafford, Stafford for showing up every single day, playing through pain and being tough and. You know, when the Rams won the Super Bowl, all these Detroit Lions fans were supporting uh, Stafford from afar. It's a little mixed with the Raiders and Derek Carr. I think that there's a good amount that really appreciate him going through those really rough years. There, there were some rough years, guy. <laughs> I covered a few of them. Uh, but I remember that year where he was an MVP candidate and what could have been. He never, uh, you know, broke his ankle against uh, the Colts there. And and he missed that playoff game against the Texans. And I, forget, I think it was Cook that got the playoff game there. So I think it was a lot of team that – uh had high expectations and they fell short. Maybe that's where the sourness is coming from. Some Raider fans, because when they brought in AB, they're supposed to win, but AB was a whole, uh, let's just say a <laughs> head case there and it didn't work out. Uh, you get Devonte Adams and it's supposed to be a good year. It didn't work out. I think there was times where the Raiders, you know, went out and spent money and maybe there were some bad decisions from different coaches, different front offices. It just, and the thing too, is that it was been inconsistent and maybe the thing that you should, you should respect if you're a Raider fan, that Derek Carr was always there. Yeah, he might throw a couple interceptions, but he was always there. Uh, you've seen some of the press conferences where he's, you know, you know, he's crying or being emotional. He gives it all he has. It was just like, I think people want it more. And you know, Scott, from covering this team, it's a very passionate fan base with the Raiders. 
Oakland, Las Vegas, LA, who cares? I live in LA. They're still probably the top team out here with the Rams and Chargers being out here. So it's just very passionate. And when you bring all that together where there were so many years that it came up short, you're either just angry, maybe you're fed up, or you just, you know what? At the end of the day, it was a tough, you know, situation. We respect you, Derek Carr. Uh, but also, if, if you just, you know, put it aside and you think about it, you know what? Uh, this guy was here for nine, for nine seasons. And I, and I think mm. sometimes when you say once a Raider, always a Raider, I think with a few years gone by, people will respect what happened with Derek Carr. But maybe Derek Carr finds his Rams and Stafford, like mm. what Stafford did, and he does well elsewhere. And there's times where, like, you want to keep trying it and not go anywhere or just move on because, you know, we see it with, with teams in the middle, with Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. You keep trying it, but you're not winning. At some mm. point, you got to try something else and just have a nice – you know, adult divorce and move on. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, it seems in this case, for whatever reason, and, and these are the details we don't know, David Carr likes to keep teasing that he's going to tell us what really happened. But overall, we don't know, right? So we don't know what the conversation, we don't know if the Raiders handled it well or if it was hurt feelings on their side. We just don't know that. But there's no doubting the dysfunction of this Raiders organization. It's well documented, of course, since since. Al Davis died even before that, and Al Davis started making some bad decisions in his failing health. Uh, but when you look at Derek Carr, the quarterback, I mean, again, you've covered and, and been around him and the league, but also the other quarterbacks. What I find is interesting is I've always said, look, Derek Carr, I consider him him a top 14, 15 quarterback, right? I, I consider him a good NFL quarterback. That's why he's going to get another job. There's no question about it. But did I consider him an elite quarterback, the kind of quarterback that takes a team on his shoulders and goes and and overcomes deficiencies on defense and on offense and all that. And, and to me, that's the difference. And I find that a lot of people are afraid, not afraid, I should say, that's not the right word. A lot of people are reluctant to talk about his maybe deficiencies as a quarterback. Um, and, and I think that's where Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, having no history with the guy, gave him a year to do it didn't like what they saw and moved on. Uh, and, 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 and you know, this is a business. I think that's the hardest things for, for fans to do. But when you look at Derek Carr in the course of the NFL and look at all the other quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, what are fair criticisms of him? What are unfair criticisms of him? Yeah, you know, obviously, I, I don't want to say he was a guy who, who made a lot of mistakes, but maybe he was a guy who didn't take enough chances, too. It was like a mm. mix of like, hey, when the when the timely errors came, they hurt you. Or when he, hey, you got to press the gas and go, and he didn't go. Uh, it, it, when you think about Derek Carr and, and people who support Derek Carr say mm -hmm. the defense always sunk with the Raiders. It, it was always hard to play from behind. And when you're playing from behind, that usually creates mistakes. You have more pressure in your face. A lot of bad things happen. But also on the flip side, you never really thought about the Raiders offense as a juggernaut. You don't think, obviously, you can't compare them to the Chiefs. But even like a team, because uh, I, I was, you know, doing some research on the Chargers and Kellen Moore, like Kellen Moore and the Cowboys were the top scoring team in two, two, uh, 2021. Does anybody remember that? But at least the <laughs> results are there, you know, like yeah. you're not supposed to be like a, a high octane offense. But at least when you look at the stats, OK, you did your best on offense. The defense failed there, but you never really got that sense where Derek Carr is. It was more like, OK, that was cool. That was a nice comeback. But can we do it again? And you just never knew what you could get on every Sunday with Derek Carr. And Scott, I know people like to rank, and that feels about right for, for Derek Carr, you know, 14, 15. You know, I, I think he's, you know, slightly above average quarterback. But mm -hmm. when you think about, you know, what, what you have in the – especially in the AFC West, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, uh, go out to Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, all these AFC quarterbacks, you have no debate. They're top 10. What Carr was like, that was a good year. I might make you top 10. 
And then there were some years, okay, you were definitely in top 14, 15, 16. Right. Like he never fell below that. And, and the, and the NFL, one of the things I always say, you don't want to be stuck in that middle range where like you'll make a wild card appearance and then you'll, then that's about it. You're one and done. Or you win eight games or nine games, but you don't get a top draft pick and you don't make noise in the playoffs. Like that's the worst position to be in. So that just kind of felt like the Derek Carr range. And again, it's not all his fault, but there was times where he could have done better. Uh, but I get it. You have Devontae Adams, you have Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, a good offensive line, and it just didn't work out in 2022. Yeah, and it's really interesting to me because you mentioned Matthew Stafford, obviously, since you covered uh, covered him with the Rams, and he was with the Lions for a long time. So that's one example. But but there's not many quarterbacks in the NFL, even good starting quarterbacks, who are with their team for nine years without ever having a playoff win, uh, making two playoff appearances, although he was injured for the first one, as you mentioned. And it's really interesting because the one thing, and, and we've never been, you know, we try to cover uh, obviously objectively. So we're, we're not pro car, anti, we're not into that jazz like some fans are. But I always found it interesting that, that no one talked about the fact that Derek Carr had two opportunities to leave the Raiders. Now, I know he's a loyal guy. People got upset and they talk, talk about loyalty in sports, which we know is really just a shell game because it's about the money. Um, very rare examples of players who will stay somewhere no matter what. And he did that. And so I, he had the two opportunities to leave. And then even this last opportunity, he could have said, no, I'll just stick with my contract or whatever. And he didn't do that. So, so I think there's personal responsibility there as well that he's got to take on because yeah, the Raiders might've been a dumpster fire, but he chose to stay in the dumpster fire, which is something I'm, I'm keen to talk about. All right, let's switch gears now, uh, Alberto. And we talk about, um, where Derek Carr could end up, because this is fascinating to me, because, again, being where he's at, there are people interested. As you know, most important position on the field, there's a lot of quarterback-hungry teams out there who might not be able to afford a big-name quarterback or be in a position to draft one early. And you named five of them in your piece, which everybody can read uh, as well. We'll link it in the description below. Uh, but let's talk about this. When you looked at situations for Derek Carr, kind of what were your criteria? Yeah, so this was a very tough list to narrow down because if you really think about it, it's probably maybe 15 to 16 teams in the NFL. They have some kind of question marks with the starting quarterback, and and you can narrow down to 12 saying, okay, you definitely need to look for a quarterback. Like, there's four teams who are like, you know what? Try one more year <laughs> of that. Uh, but there's maybe 10 or 12 like, okay, what are you doing here? Go look for a quarterback, and you'll be lucky to get a Derek Carr. Uh, and once you start you know, narrowing down that list from the teams that need a quarterback, you start thinking, okay, what's a good fit for Derek Carr and for the team? Uh Obviously, salary cap comes into play because Derek Carr wants to get money. He just lost $40 million in guaranteed money because the Raiders uh, released him. You would think you want to get some of that back. And, and being <laughs> a quarterback in the market, why, why not use it to your advantage? And, you know, people got on me for not putting the Saints there because the Saints were the one team that showed interest and were willing to do a trade. But I go back to the money. The salary cap for the Saints is a big issue when you're yeah. over $59 million in the cap. And you got to cut a guy like Michael Thomas who's going to make you worse. Uh, what are we doing here at the end of the day? Like, is that really going to go anywhere if you're the Saints there? If you're the Saints, you're probably saying one more rebuild you're into, you get out of this, you know, cap space hell, <laughs> I like to call oh, yeah. it there. Uh, but they, they are in the mix there. But I'm for the sake of just doing a different list, I took them out. And it was yeah. tough because you want you want to fit in coaching philosophy. You want a good roster. You want to get paid. You want a winning culture. And when you're searching for a quarterback, you, you, you probably don't have a winning culture. So uh, the criteria had to be a little flexible. Like, you know, with the commanders, I put them in fifth. Ron Rivera and, and the commanders, you don't think about them as winning culture. 
but at least Rivera makes them competitive in the division. And the NFC yeah. East, the the Washington Commanders have always been in the race, and you got a lot of issues with the ownership and all that. But they're at least in the race, and that's good enough for me to make it to the criteria. And then you look at guys like Terry McLaurin, uh, Curtis Samuels, Jahan Dotson. Uh, oh, by the way, a good defense. Uh, good surprise, defense. surprise there, Carr. You want a good defense. Yeah. Uh, Ron Rivera could be the way. But the funny thing about this guy, when it came from doing my research, a lot of these teams in the mix have already struck out going the quarterback veteran route. Like some teams might be hesitant. Like, okay, we yeah. tried that with Carson Wentz, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, whoever you want to talk about. Um, talking about Indy too. Uh, yeah. You might be even more hesitant. And when you got a new coach in Shane Sykin, shout out to UNOV right there, uh, the, the new Indy coach. He has a reputation of developing young quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts and Justin Herbert. He's probably telling Jim Mersey, stay away from the veterans because I know how to develop a quarterback. So then yeah. it gets a little tricky after that. So especially if, well, especially if he likes one of the guys in the draft, the top of the round, whether it's Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, or Will Levis. Uh, or Richardson out of Florida, wherever you look at that, I think that that's an opportunity. And you're right, he played the position in Indy. But let me let me rename again, so just so people, and I, I forgot yeah, to do ahead. this as we ended the question, is you had Houston, Washington, Atlanta, Indianapolis, and the New York Jets, of course. The New York Jets seemed like a natural fit. Um, what's interesting, and, and the teams on your list didn't surprise me, Houston is always one that surprised me because that would mean Derek Carr would go back to the scene of the crime where his brother played. Um, and Houston is a little ways away, so if he really wants to come out and win, it's interesting. Clearly, the Jets are the team re more are ready to win. They are a veteran quarterback or a quarterback away. They've done the rookie route, didn't work out. They've tried the veteran route in the past. I mean, it's been a revolving door there, right, since, what, Chad Pennington maybe? So it's it's been a long time. The issue with that, though, and I, I, I wonder, because you have two teams on there, that are cold weather cities. And we all know the knock against Derek Carr with the cold weather. Um, did you consider that? And, and what do you think? Do you think that, do you think he always says it doesn't matter, but if you look at his record, it, it speaks for itself. Do you think that'll factor in his decision-making and some of these teams also looking at him as a possibility? Maybe not so much because I also didn't factor into my list. So weather, I probably should have done a little better <laughs> with that. Uh, but I, I think if you really kind of narrow it down, it's probably the least of his concerns right now, but uh, and then also you wouldn't admit like, Hey, you know what? I stayed away from that team because I can't compete in cold weather. So, uh, I think if you're Derek Carr, you probably won't say that, uh, and to kind of defend a little bit the, the Houston pick. Yeah. It's a little out there. That's why I put on number five and I had to bend the mm -hmm. rules again, because I said winning culture. So for me, for that <laughs> criteria, uh, is the Miko Ryan's. This guy is so well-respected in the NFL. People yeah. love the Miko Ryan. And for him to take on that challenge shows me how motivated he is to turn that franchise around. So I think the Miko Ryan is a, is a big uh, get there and he signed and he got a good coaching side around too and the other issue for the i mean other good scenario for the houston texans like they have the salary cap they have the money like i know many people are not thinking about it i know that uh if, if you're a savvy gm you could get around the salary cap i know i covered the rams i covered a team like the chargers <laughs> tom Telesco loves the salary cap i know there's moves around there you can move contracts you can move money dead money whatever i get it uh but you want to make it easier the texans have the money and maybe it's a little bit of a stretch but a year ago, nobody considered the Jaguars to be a playoff team. They had the money, and guess what? They spent the money, and they hit on the on the on the on the signings. The Trevor Lawrence developed, and you never know what could happen with a good coach and Doug Peterson. So, I get the whole thing, but also too, and Scott in the story, I mentioned why it doesn't fit. Yes, the whole David Carr history there. I'm sure there is not a good sign there. But maybe Derek Carr, maybe you know better than I do. Grew up in Houston, and he loved Houston. Yeah. I don't know. 
Uh, that could be something that comes into factor too. And oh, Texas, no uh, state tax money. Maybe that's another criteria <laughs> that I should have added. Uh, that's right. But yeah, you're you're right on the cold weather. I think the Colts are an uh, indoor team, so maybe not an issue. The Jets are definitely could be an issue there. Uh, but I just like the whole roster. I uh, like where they're headed, and that defense is pretty good too. Yeah, I mean, I look at I, Colts. I think people have been talking about the Colts because they've done this a couple times, right? They did it with Rivers, as you talked about, uh, and 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 that didn't work out as well as they wanted to, although Rivers played for where he was at in his career, played uh, pretty well for them. So uh, I think that's a good spot. It's also a dome. It's Midwest. He'd fit in really nicely there. But the Houston one is also interesting to your point because if I'm Houston, I could – yeah, everybody thinks they're going to take a quarterback at the top of the first round, and they may – but signing Carter two or three year deal gives you the opportunity to have a veteran let the rookie come along and then spend your money uh, all on that defense and, and along the offensive line as well too to build it up. So so there's there's plenty of opportunities. I keep telling Raider fans, Alberto, that that you can turn things. I'm not saying you go from being six and eleven to winning the Super Bowl necessarily, but in the period of two years, if you have cap space and you get enough good impact players on rookie deals, especially a quarterback. You can turn things around quickly. I think the same thing is true in Houston. We've seen it. You, you just mentioned it with Jacksonville. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. But it'll be interesting to see where he ends up uh, and the situation he because he gets to choose. And I think that'll tell us a lot about where he's at mentally on the challenge he takes on, whether it's a Jets challenge or the Commanders. The Commanders, I think, will get new ownership soon, as, as everybody's been talking about. So Derek Carr would be a great guy to bring in there to rehab that image that the commanders need so 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 badly. So we'll see how it goes. All right, buddy, before we let you go, and we appreciate you being generous with your time, um, I want to get your thoughts to, since now that you're covering the entire league, but to take you back to your AFC West days, you mentioned it a little earlier in this segment, the AFC West, you have the Chiefs, enough said, uh, then you have the Broncos go out and make the big trade to get their new coach, Sean Payton, and then you have the Chargers, right? Which I'm still, and I want to get your view on on Staley because I'm still not convinced. I think I think in some ways he holds them back, but they have talent there. I've been saying the last couple of weeks that the Raiders, in the next year or two, the Raiders have to make significant progress uh, from a personnel standpoint because I think they're really in danger of falling way behind in this AFC arms race. Do you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. You know, the Raiders have work to do, and then now you're going through a whole different uh, quarterback, and that, it might seem maybe like a rebuild project. I, I'm sure people in Vegas and Oakland, L.A., or wherever you were from in the Raider Nation, you don't want to hear that. Uh, but the reality is you don't have a quarterback currently. you got to draft, draft one, and the position they're in, uh, they're, they're a little, you know, in, in the middle of the pack, which is not a good place to be. You could, get, you, could, you could sign one, hey, Aaron Rodgers, then you're not rebuilding at all. So it's a weird <laughs> position right now for, for the Raiders, but – they have they have options and maybe it's an exciting time for the Raiders because yeah you've done the Derek Carr out for nine years and maybe they got a little stale so it might be a bad year or it might be an all-in year you don't know just yet we'll see what happens for the Raiders but yeah you got to rebuild that defense too you can't keep falling behind to the Chiefs everybody fell behind the Chiefs remember uh, we that's gonna be the year where the Raiders and the Chargers and the Broncos yeah. are gonna push the Chiefs nothing changed so uh <laughs> here we are again uh, and, and we'll see what happens with this AFC West offseason. But, uh, yeah, because you would think the Chargers would get better with Justin Herbert in, what, year four now? Yeah, you would think they have a playoff win with Herbert and, and his rookie contract. Yeah. But uh, they're also searching to, to stay in, in the race. And then the Broncos took more steps backwards when you thought you were going to do something with Russell Wilson. Uh, for the Broncos, they have a good defense. I don't know what Sean Payne is going to do with Russell Wilson because he regressed the last year in Seattle. He was pretty bad uh, in Denver. But something – 
if you're Sean Payton, there's two reasons you took that job. You saw the film and you saw this guy, Russell Wilson, he just needs a little help. I'll bring the best out of him. Or two, hey, let's just kind of, you know, eat the contract for one more year or two and let's move on uh, and do a clean rebuild. So I don't know what Sean Payton is thinking there. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, the Chiefs way up here again, Scott, like always. <laughs> and crazy. Teams, uh, just hoping to, to make it by. But you know, you know, in the NFL, every year it changes. There's always four, That's... five, six teams in the playoffs that you never expected. So uh, I will definitely not count out the Raiders uh, making some noise. But I mean, it, it tells you what the Chiefs have. I mean, the Chiefs had six significant players on that Super Bowl team who were rookies. Uh, I mean, look at Pacheco. I have Pacheco, right? He was a seventh round draft pick. Yeah. It goes to show you that when things are rolling, sometimes they're just rolling. And Andy Reid, of course, one of the best there is. So uh, phenomenal there. Gilberto Manzano, of course, our good friend here. Uh, he is now with the Monday Morning Quarterback. Yes, you can catch him on there as well as SI.com. Follow him on Twitter at GManzano24. My friend, again, thank you so much and congratulations on the new role. And we'll catch up with you as things roll along towards the NFL draft. Scott, thank you for the time. You know, I love to talk Raiders for my days in Vegas, and uh, hopefully we'll do it again soon. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, there you go. Uh, great, great segment there. Great to hear his perspective. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Mo and I will be back. Also, we're going to talk through Rich Gannon causing waves in Raider Nation. Yes, the former MVP of the Raiders, the last quarterback to take the Raiders to the Super Bowl. Some of you think that that's not enough for him to be able to criticize Derek Carr and what Derek Carr might do in the future. We come back, we'll talk a little bit about that. Yes, we're entering the post-car era. We're wrapping those loose ends up, and we'll talk about that. And then in the third segment, we're going to get to mailbag, of course, for this show. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Also, over the air, that's right, on 98.5 The Bet in Las Vegas, as well as 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas, too. Yes, they're both The Bet's. Because you got to bet on Mo and I. It's a winner. All right, we'll be right back. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. And you're listening to us also on 98.5 The Bet. Yes, it's now 98.5 The Bet, not 98.5 The Fan anymore. It's 98.5 The
the bet. Oh my gosh, I got to spit it out. And 11.40, the bet. Yes, they're both the bet. And I said before the last break, Mo, as Mo Moten joins me now, he's out of the limo, back from Midtown Manhattan. Um, he had his mimosa on the way back and his avocado smoothie. He's good. Did they give you a chair massage this time when you were in the studio or, or were you on your own? I had a little kink in my neck, so I had a little... You know, I had an assistant kind of touch that up for me oh. before I got on the show. So that's oh why I'm a little, I missed the, the interview that you had, but oh my I'm here gosh. now. Congrats. Man. to Congrats. Next, you know. next thing you know, he's going to start going like this. He's got a big Rolex on his wrist. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Woo. Chiming in. Anyway, he is, if you're new to the show, Mo wasn't with us in the first segment with Alberto Menzano. Thank him again from morning, morning, Monday morning quarterback. It's a lot congrats to say. To uh, but Mo is a national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, as well as a Raiders columnist at SportsNot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moton, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. He's back a little late because he was re- he was doing a live session with his Bleacher Report folks on video, which you can also catch as well. So make sure you do that as well. You can also follow me on Twitter at LV Gully, and the show is SNB today. Okay, Mo, I uh, listen. I, I'm sitting around on Wednesday. And I see this thing pop up from the 33rd team, which is a, a sports kind of oh, website. I know and where this is going. Yes, you do. And you can see it because the guy's pictured right below if you're watching us on YouTube. But but nonetheless, uh, they have a point with the Derek Carr release. Everybody's chiming in on it. And Rich Gannon, who who is also a contributor at 33rd team, by the way, um, said they, they, they asked him about Derek Carr moving on. And I'm going to show this on the screen for our YouTube viewers so you can see right here. It says, um, I don't know that Derek Carr is going to go somewhere and all of a sudden put a team on his shoulders and take them to a division title. That is Rich Gannon unfiltered, uh, Mo, on... A one Derek Carr, who now is no longer with the Raiders. And so I think Rich Gannon, who actually has been saying the same thing for quite a while. I'll get to that in a second. But um, he said this. And of course, the Carr Wars, they were in a little bit of a um, a reduction in fire or a ceasefire with him being released and people wishing him well and other people saying good riddance. Now it, it gets re-inflamed because Rich Gannon comes in and says this, and that all the people who love Derek Carr now are telling us how bad Rich Gannon was and that he only had a couple of good years because he had people around him. I'm just amazed by this because he says this. And, Mo, is this anything different than he's been saying for the last maybe three years? Rich Gannon, for the people out there listening, Rich Gannon is clearly not a fan of Derek Carr's quarterback. <laughs> he never has been. He's been critical of Derek Carr for, as you said, for years now. So this isn't this isn't new for me. Well, I will push back on Rich Gannon in the aspect of that it all depends on where Derek Carr goes, right? So Derek Carr is going to get to pick wherever he wants to play, and he's going to pick a team that's going to be probably either in playoff contention already or close to it. So the chances of Derek Carr succeeding. And what I mean by succeeding is going to the playoffs and winning some games are high. But I will say with Rich Gannon's career, he had a few years of starting with the Minnesota Vikings. It didn't work out. He went back to a backup player in Kansas City. And then he popped with the Raiders. So I would say how that's that could be possible for Derek Carr. Sometimes it's, it's just a matter of what your supporting cast is and who you're around. If you get the right coach that taps into your strengths, then you can play it at a 
at a tip top level. I've always said that Derek Carr is the top 12 quarterback, not quite top 10 on a consistent basis. Yes, he can perform at that level for a stretch of weeks or for a few games, but he's right outside that top 10 level. And I don't see how you can't envision Derek Carr succeeding with a good supporting cast around him if he's that good. Because he's a good, he's not a great quarterback, he's a good quarterback. But but let me push back on that, Mo, because I don't think that's what he said. I don't think he said Derek Carr can't go win somewhere and get a team in the playoffs. What he said was he's not going to all of a sudden put a team on his shoulder and take them to division title, meaning that let's say – I'm trying to think of a team that that's close to the playoffs but not uh, – let's say the it's the, the – well, no, the Jets I think are a playoff team with, with, with a quarterback, but a team that wouldn't – you wouldn't – let's say he chooses Houston, okay? Now, Houston obviously has in a bit of a rebuild. But let's say two years down the road, Houston has an okay defense, not great, an okay offense. Is Derek Carr going to be a um, a Allen type, a Mahomes type, uh, 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 a Lawrence type who he's turning into? Is he going to be a guy who's so good and elevates the play of everyone around him that he can take a team that's borderline playoff team and make them a playoff team. I think that's a big difference between Derek Carr walking into a situation like the Jets where if Derek Carr comes in and has a good year like he had two years ago, a year ago, that team, the Jets team makes the playoffs. I mean, to me, that's two or three at least wins for the Jets last year based on quarterback play. Uh, but is he a guy who's going to take the team on his shoulders? I think that's the key here because, again, in the right, we've said this for what? Four years, you and I, Mo, in the right situation, Derek Carr can absolutely take a team and win in the playoffs. No question. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. What does he mean by put a team on his shoulders? Does he mean, as you said, taking a borderline player team and taking them to the playoffs and winning playoff games? Or does he mean like taking a bottom-feeding team like the Texans, like the Colts, now I know they have a defense, the Colts, but let's mm -hmm. let's be honest. They they have the fourth number all. They have the fourth pick for a reason. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, I, you know, you don't know what's gonna happen with that roster. But I, I would want Gannon to expand on that. What does he mean by That's putting a team on on his shoulders? Because th this is the way I look at it. A lot of people can have debates about how Carr is gonna do post Raiders and where he's gonna go. But as I just said, it just matters of what the pieces are around him. Is he going right. to take a bottom roster and all of a sudden start throwing for 5,000 yards and throw for 36 touchdowns? No, I don't I don't think that's the case. But is his, you know, 4,200 yards, 29 touchdowns, 12 interceptions good enough to get the team over the hump? We'll see. Yeah, over the over the hump uh, into the playoffs. Yes, I mean, like, I mean that that to me makes sense. But let me, I'll pose a question for you since we've been talking about the NFC South as a good place for him to go. If Derek Carr is the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers, does he take them deep in the playoffs next year? I think he takes them to the playoffs. I wouldn't say deep in the playoffs simply because you again you worry about. Car in the red zone. I've gone on multiple Jets mm -hmm. podcasts, and they've hosts have asked me, "Okay, pros and cons of Derek Carr." You know, I'm, I don't get on these podcasts and just straight up bash Derek Carr. He's he's horrible. <laughs> he's a terrible quarterback. That's why he's not in Las Vegas anymore. And I don't get up there singing all of his praises like, "Oh, you're you're going to be a Super Bowl team. You'll be able to compete with Patrick Mahomes if you get Derek Carr." No, I'm <laughs> I go up there and I'm honest. I'm like, look, 
he has stretches of games where he's deadly accurate. He's going to he's gonna elevate certain receivers because he's done that in the past. There are certain receivers, certain pass catchers who've had their best years with Derek Carr. I mean, look what happened with Jay Jones before he got to Jacksonville. You know, Darren Waller, I know people want to say Darren Waller is talented in his own, but he, he's been putting up good numbers with Derek Carr. Uh, there are other players that Crabtree put up great numbers with Derek Carr. No, he had some beast numbers before he got there with San Francisco, but with Derek Carr, he was pretty much a touchdown machine. Mm-hmm. So he's going to elevate certain players in your offense. But on the other hand, don't expect him to move like some of these younger quarterbacks come in the league. Don't expect him to extend plays like a Joe Burrow or Josh Allen. That's not it. When he gets to the red zone in tight quarters, you're going to have to have a run game to compliment him because his red zone efficiency is not good. And I've said yeah. this multiple times. His red zone efficiency was worse than Zach Wilson's last year. Derek Carr's passing rating in the red zone was in the 70s. Zach Wilson's was in the 90s. So I, I'm honest with all of these people, and I'm saying they're they're obviously for a good but not great quarterback. There are some good things, there are some great things, but there are also some glaring flaws that you're going to have to mask if you get a Derek sure. Carr. So temper your expectations. Yes, and and it's interesting because I want to bring it back to Rich Gannon because I agree with you. I, it leaves some ambiguity there, right? You don't know exactly what he's saying. I'm going to say. And I'm not speaking for him. He has not said this. I just know he's been on this show several times where we've talked about it going back over three seasons here on Silver and Black today. And and each time he talks about it the same way, I get the sense, and I'm just going to come out straight and say it, I get the sense that Rich Gannon, not only does he not feel that he's a great quarterback, Derek Carr, but I think it comes down to a, a mindset issue. He doesn't believe Derek Carr has that killer instinct. That's all it is. Doesn't mean Derek Carr's not a talented quarterback because he clearly is. He's got a lot of skill sets. But I that's what I think it is. And so that's why I think really supportive Derek Carr fans get mad that Rich Gannon says it. The other part of this argument that sort of bugged me, and I and I engaged with people, not arguing with them, just asking them questions, because they 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 defend Derek Carr. I expect that. And then they say, What was Rich Gannon before he got to the Raiders? He was nothing, blah, blah, blah. Like that matters. It doesn't matter. I'm always interested, just like we talked about this guy on the Chargers who's saying that nobody who hasn't played football should comment on players playing football. You can't cr- be critical of people. I We've talked that. about this on, on other shows. Uh, and, and the Dan Orlovsky, who now come, turns out apparently, reportedly, was maybe being going to be hired by some teams to help with offense. I don't know if that's true mm-hmm. or not. We haven't gotten confirmation. It seems to have been true. But I've heard tell people tell me Dan Orlovsky, he sucked as a quarterback. What does he know? And my my point is that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter their own performance. Although I would say Rich Gannon, he only started the one full year in Minnesota. Then he got a chance to start the second year. He got supplanted there and then didn't start again until he got the Raiders. So really in year 10 is when he got his big opportunity and he seemed to flourish. So yes, it can be people can flourish later in the right situations. I get that piece of it. That piece of the argument, I think, has some validity to it. The difference was Derek Carr has started for nine years. It's not like Rich Gannon, who didn't start for nine years. He wasn't good enough to start for nine years. Granted, it's also like Kurt Warner. He was playing in the Arena League, okay? So if Kurt Warner talks about quarterbacks, do you not say he's good enough because he just had his six seasons uh, and a Super Bowl and an MVP. I mean, come on. So my point is, people can comment on this stuff, and I, 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 I like what Rich Gannon has to say overall when he talks about the league. And I just think people are just overly sensitive about it, and they're disowning him as a Raider because of what he says about Derek Carr. I just find this whole Carr and 
this love car, hate car thing still to me this day, I'm sick of it, Mo, but I'm still fascinated by it because I just don't understand it. I'm so happy I retired from Car Wars a couple of months ago. I, <laughs> you see me happen? on time. Why? I, it, you know, it happens, and I'll explain. And I thought about this the other day, and I'm glad you brought you brought the why. And I'll say this. There are fans who are fans of Derek Carr. I'm not saying they're not fans of the Raiders, but they like the player Derek Carr. It's like growing up and watching your favorite football player. Right. And I'll take I use myself as an example. I, I loved Charles Woodson as a college football player. I wanted to be a cornerback at one point. I told the story on Twitter. Actually, I wore his jersey every day in high school when I was in this football league, thought I was going to be Charles Woodson, goes to the Raiders. And, you know, there grew my Raider fandom at, at the age of what, 12 years old. Mm-hmm. If Charles Woodson had been and he did go to Green Bay and I was still in fan mode. I would still be a fan of Charles Woodson. I would defend Charles Woodson at every at every turn because I grew up watching Charles Woodson from his college days. There are people out there who were watching Derek Carr from his Fresno State days. So there is an affinity there for Derek Carr. So they're going to they're going to defend him at every turn. Doesn't mean they're not necessarily Raider fans. It's just that we have to understand that there people are going to be fans of of specific players. And when you're fans of a specific player and you see other people bashing the guy that you you idolize or you grew up watching or you're a huge fan of, it's human nature to kick in and, and defend that person. Yeah, no, no. And I don't disagree with that at all, Mo. And in fact, I had somebody on Twitter on Wednesday tell me, uh, you know, what? why is it? Why are they so crazy? What is this about? Do you think these people will still follow the Raiders? And I said, here. And I got to the same answer you did in a, in a different way, roundabout way. And that was, hey, if I am a fan of Derek Carr, I'm a fan of Fresno State. I'm from this, uh, the, the San Joaquin Valley where he's from in California. And if you know those communities, uh, um, they are agricultural communities. People are very tight, a lot of small towns. And, and so they're, they, they, they love their own. Um, and so you look at that. So he gets drafted and all those people who love Derek Carr in college – and know the family, follow him to the Raiders. And for the last nine years, they have been Raiders fans because Derek Carr was there. And I understand that, too, because I went to UNLV. So when a UNLV guy does well, I cheer for him, even if it's a team I don't like, right? So you look right now uh, in, in the NBA. I don't even follow the NBA that much, but I do when I see guys from UNLV who do well, I cheer them on. So I understand the mindset of that. And I don't get into fights with people. People say they suck. That's the piece. I don't understand the emotional ties to it. But then again, uh, you know, I'm 50 years old and I've grew up at a different time. So who knows? But but it's just crazy to me. And I think there will be people who are Derek Carr fans first and Raider fans second who will become Derek Carr, Washington Commander fans or Panther fans or wherever he goes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Raider fans don't need to get mad at that. Uh, and I think that it's just time to say, okay, it moves on, but opinion, Rich Gann, you can disagree with his opinion say, hey, I don't agree with you. What you're saying, totally fine, but I, you don't have to belittle the guy's career or intimate that he doesn't know what he's talking about. We all have opinions, and you know what they say about opinions, right? So I won't get into that, but everybody stinks except yours, so so I get it. But it just it fascinated me because this is the last throws for me of having to deal with Derek Carr stuff at all uh, on this show, especially – uh, but but fascinating. And I'm glad you came to the same conclusion, basically, and your own experience with Woodson is a great example. 
And I have one more quick story. I was on a Jets podcast this week, and I believe the Twitter name was Raider Jake. If I'm if I'm if it's not, I'm sorry about that. But I think it was Raider Jake on Twitter. And he said basically what I was saying. He's like, I followed Derek Carr's career from his Fresno State days. I'm a Raider fan, but wherever Derek Carr goes, if he goes to the Jets, I will still root for Derek Carr. I will also root for the Raiders, but I want to see Derek Carr do well, and I'm going to follow his career. And I can respect that because he was honest because there's there's a Twitter debate saying that you have to be either a Derek Carr fan or a Raider fan. <laughs> you know how this works on Twitter, right? It's one, you, It has to be one oh or the other. You can't, be both, you can't be both, both yes. a Derek Carr fan and a Raider fan. You got to choose one, right? Yes. But we all know it's a lot of gray. There are people who are staunch Derek Carr supporters, and they're also Raider fans, and they're going to cheer for him, and they're also going to cheer for the Raiders. Now, I don't know what they're going to do if Derek Carr goes to the Jets and Jets play the Raiders. with. I, and I, honestly, I don't care. But to me, what I don't like to see on Twitter is the fan police come out and say, you can't do this. Right. You can't be a Raider fan if this. If you can't be a Raider fan if that. And it's like, who made you hall monitor? You know, like who made you the grand poopa of, of this whole thing that well, we, you can check people's Raider, yeah. Raider card. I, I hate when I see that. Well, on I don't and, engage in it, but I see it all no, the time. No. And, and listen, I've talked about for years now on this show and I, even a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned it to you. All these people who think that you can't cover the Raiders if you grew up liking another team. Right. Mm. And we had the one day people accusing you of being a Jets fan. And of course, people know my background <laughs> growing up as a Charger fan. And you're right. I don't argue with them anymore because it's like, dude, you have six years of shows. Go show me where I've ever been a Charger fan or that I've talked positively even about the Charger because that organization's a piece of crap. Why? Like, it's amazing to me. It's, it's, yeah, it's a black and white world. Everybody wants to have the hot take. And, and now I just opt out because if you're that ignorant, I don't, I can't help you. I just wish you luck. I hope you find your way to the bathroom every day. Uh, you get yourself dressed, you brush your teeth. That's all I'm hoping for at that point. Uh, because I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough one, but um, not, really quick though, not yeah. to get too deep into this Derek Carr car where thinks I'm so over it, but to tie it in <laughs> the, the whole Derek Carr thing, the, what I found interesting was when day, and I said this on my BR live show today on Wednesday, that I thought it was very interesting what David Carr said on NFL Network. He said, Derek Carr wasn't allowed the freedom at the line of scrimmage as he once had under Basaccia, mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. under previous regimes. And I thought that was interesting because if Josh McDaniels is still a rigid play caller, is he going to want Aaron Rodgers, who I'm sure is going to want some freedom at the line of scrimmage to freelance because right. he's going to say, look, I have four league MVPs. I have a Super Bowl ring. What do you have as a head coach? Now, I know you won in New England with Belichick, <laughs> but as a head coach, what do you have and why should I listen to you with your head coaching record and compared to what I've done as a quarterback? Yes, and that's why I think – uh, the Raiders will roll with a quarterback that he already knows, i.e. Stidham or somebody else like that. I don't think it's Brissett, but I think it'll be Stidham. I think they're going to come to a deal with him pretty quickly. And then you go get a rookie quarterback because because he you mold the quarterback. You tell him what to do. Right. They don't have freedom as a rookie. Right. Um, and Stidham knows the system, already gets along with him. He's used to it. He's used to that. That's all he's played in in the NFL. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that, you know, and it's it's just – Amazing that you brought that up, Mo, because that's exactly what my train of thought is, is you're not going to, that's why it doesn't work with him. It doesn't work with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers does not want to go with a guy that has not been successful as a coach and is going to tell him what to do. 
Aaron Rodgers wants to do what he wants to do. Right. And, and that's why that's why I say it's not a beyond the X's and O's. Just based yes. on that, knowing that Aaron Rodgers' personality, his way of doing things, and Josh McDaniels' reported way of handling things with Derek Carr, who's who's a nine-year veteran, he's played in multiple systems. You don't think Derek Carr could pick up that offense and, and see things at the line of scrimmage and do things on his own? No, he's been through so many offensive systems. He should get freedom at the line of scrimmage. I'll take Derek Carr's side on that. But like I said, if Josh McDaniels just wants a quarterback that he can mold and, and run the play call that I call for you, don't change anything, that, <laughs> then he's going to want someone who's been in his system, i.e., as you said, Jared Stidham or Jacoby Brissett or a rookie quarterback who he can mold. And that's part of the reason why I think the Raiders go the rookie bridge gap quarterback route. Yes, and it might cost them a lot. The way things, I mean, we're way out from the draft, but the way people are talking about the 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 teams being aggressive, especially Indianapolis, yep. uh, especially Indianapolis with Shane Steichen, who's a quarterback who probably wants a young quarterback to mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the competition is going to be fierce there as well. All right, enough of Derek Carr, <laughs> although we have some <laughs> questions in the mailbag. Uh, enough of Rich Gannon. We're going to take our final break, and then when Mo and I come back here on Silver and Black today, we're going to get to our weekly mailbag segment. We have a couple doozies. One that I'm shocked that the guy asked a question, and I don't want to make fun of him, but I'm going to ask the question. I'm going to make Mo answer it because I don't want to answer it. But we will uh, do that. No, it's not that bad. We'll do that right when we come back after these words. Stay with us. You're with Mo and Scott here on Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. It is time for the closing segment, the home stretch, as we call it here on Silver and Black. Today, you're with Mo Moten, national NFL writer at Bleacher Report, also Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. My name is Scott Cobranson. We appreciate you guys being back with us here on the podcast or if you're listening to us on the air on 98.5 The Bet and 1140 The Bet in Las Vegas. We appreciate you tuning in wherever you are listening uh, to the show. We move on now and we switch over to our Raider Nation mailbag, something Mo and I really enjoy. The questions, as long as you're not taking peyote or doing something crazy, 
They usually come in pretty good, right? I mean, uh, we have we have great listeners, and the questions are pretty good. Um, we haven't had any insults in the last couple of weeks. I'm a little disappointed. The emotion of the season has has clearly it's passed. Wild. Yeah, wait, wait till free agency rolls around and we give our opinions on the Raiders signings. That's true. That's true. All we got to do is tweet something about that guy who used to be quarterback, and then suddenly, boom. No, just kidding. All right, let's get into these questions, Mo. Here's one. Uh, this is a first-time question for a listener of ours on Twitter. Of course, we get a bunch of stuff in email. You can email us at mail at silverandblacktoday.com or hit us up on Twitter. Either hit Mo, hit me, uh, or the the show's Twitter handle, SNB Today. The DMs are open, so you can, you can slide it right in there. Uh, this one comes from uh, Rico underscore Bravo on Twitter. Rico Bravo. Like he says, I have a... Yeah, I do too. He says, I have a question for you and Mo. Do you think new De- Denver's new offensive coordinator is a good fit for Derek Carr? Do you think he could beat Russell Wilson to start in Denver? Because it would be irony if Derek Carr wins a Super Bowl with Sean Payton in Vegas next year. Food for thought. Thanks in advance to both you and Mo. That is Rico Bravo. Interesting. Denver. Russell Wilson. I, I don't think anybody's coming in to compete with Russell Wilson. No, Russell Wilson's going to be the guy. They're stuck with Russell Wilson for at least another year. If you look at the way Wilson's contract is constructed, I think I said this before they hired Sean Payton. Whoever became the Denver Broncos head coach had to come in with a Russell Wilson plan, a fixed Russell Wilson plan. And Sean Payton's already said that how he's going to try to, quote-unquote, fix Russell Wilson. He's going to do a lot of the things that Russell did well in Seattle. Mm-hmm. with a deep ball and also just take a few things of, of what he did with Drew Brees, I'm sure, because the comparison is like Drew Brees, Russell Wilson is a smaller undersized quarterback, you know? So I think that that bodes well for, for Wilson being able to bounce back. And I actually think Wilson's going to have a decent season. I'm not saying he's going to be an MVP type of player, but I think he'll be a lot better than he was last year. So the people laughing right. at Russell Wilson and saying Sean Payton is overrated, I would push back a lot on that because the guy has actually proven that he can win in this league. And with a talent like Russell Wilson, I know he had a terrible 2022 season, but a guy just doesn't go from being a, a pretty good quarterback to just a complete bum right. and over, you know, over a course of a year. I, I think that was more on Nathaniel Hackett. I think it's more an indictment on Nathaniel Hackett than it is Russell Wilson. Yeah, and we've heard uh, our good friend Benjamin Albright up there on KOA has talked about it too, about how that just it was it was dysfunctional up there, right? And nobody, there was no clear direction, leadership. That's why Nathaniel Hyde, that's why he lost his job so quickly. So um, you understand that, and I agree with you. I think he'll bounce back as well. And Sean Payton's one of the best to coach in recent years. And Raider fans know this because they scream all about it. They have a good defense. So if you start with a good defense like that and you add in some pieces uh, and a new scheme on offense. Although Rico's question, and again, thank you, Rico Bravo, on Rico underscore Bravo on Twitter if you want to follow him. Um, but his question, I have another angle here with his question, Mo, which is Derek Carr. What Derek Carr's played in a bunch of different systems. We've heard all the stories about all the co- offensive coordinators and coaches he's had. When you look at the type of system that he should go to, which is sort of getting to Rico's question here, what kind of system is Derek Carr going to operate best in? One where he's not expected to throw the ball 40 plus times. It has to be a system where I want to say, I want to say it's run heavy, Yeah. but where you use the run Balance. to set up the pass. 
And I think, right, I think a system like Sean McVay's system, Mm. it it would be great for Derek Carr because, again, the the crux of of Sean McVay's offensive system is getting the run going to set up your passing game. And I think that's what works best for Derek Carr because we've actually seen it in 2016 when the Raiders had their magical run season that ended in kind of disappointment because Derek Carr got hurt. Remember what they had. They had a three-man backfield with Latavius Murray leading the way, and I believe they were top six or seven in rushing that year. And a lot of people say that was one of Derek Carr's, that was arguably Derek Carr's best year as a Raider. What did they have? They didn't have an elite defense. They had a defense that forced turnovers, but it wasn't a defense that was shutting teams down and hoping no. teams to 10, 10 points. Yeah. They had a they had a they had a defense that turn again forced turnovers, but they had an offense. And a top ground attack to complement with Derek Carr. And to I guess to Rich Gannon's point, if he's talking about, you know, Derek Carr is not going to put a team on his shoulders that way, I would agree because we have we've seen Derek Carr put the offense on his shoulders for spurts, spurts. for an entire season. Yeah. I think it's best when he has a good complimentary run game. Right. Yeah. No, great answer. All right, Rico, thank you so much for your question. We appreciate you watching. Uh, and listening to the podcast, wherever you may be. All right, on to our next question. This comes from Kurt Miller on Twitter as well. It's KurtMiller96. Kurt asks, what are your thoughts about inquiring about Jeff Okuda? I don't know if the lines would deal him, but curious if you guys thought bulking up in the secondary with a potential like his, and he's clearly obviously on his rookie contract. Uh, that is from Kurt Miller 96 on Twitter. Well, I don't think the Lions are uh, hurrying up to trade Jeff Okuda, do you? I don't think so either, simply because he actually is coming off his his best year. And he was a disappointment. Remember, he was a third overall pick in, I believe, third 2020. Overall. Yes. And he was a, dis- a complete disappointment <laughs> his first two years in Detroit. Played pretty well when he was healthy. I don't think they let him go now. I think they try to make it work with him simply because of what they invested in Akuda. If the Raiders are looking for a cornerback, I think, first of all, they should draft a guy. But if they can get Jamel Dean, who's going to be a free agent, play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, I think that would be a great pickup for them. I still believe they should re-sign Rocky Sin because while healthy, he played well. You won't have to pay him a lot because it's not like his season ended with a bang. But I will be on board with them going after a top cornerback. And then draft the one in um in the in the draft in April. But a lot of people brought the name Marcus Peters. And I would caution people, Marcus Peters, I know he had a torn ACL or Achilles in 2021, coming off a you know, not want to say a bad season, but not up to par with his previous standards. And he's he's getting up there in age. I believe he's around 30. So I would I would kind of pause on Marcus Peters. I would rather a younger quarterback who's on the ascend than a than an older quarterback who could be on the decline yeah absolutely uh good question uh kurt miller 96 we appreciate you writing in okay well we go from one defensive back question to another mo you ready for this one uh it says it says guys jalen ramsey do the raiders go hard after him this is from dennis in bakersfield california uh, Dennis, thank you for the note. Mo, this is an interesting one because it it Jalen Ramsey will be cut. He's going to be a, a salary cap victim, right? Uh, and and the the Raiders in multiple reports, including on your employer's website on Bleacher Report, have talked about the top spot landing spot for Jalen Ramsey being hmm, the Raiders. What do you think of that? And should the Raiders take him on? Or is he someone, even despite the talent with the cost and what would happen there, 
uh, in 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 uh, taking him on off waivers if they can get him, is that worth it? I think it is, depending on what the cost is. Now we're all assuming that he's going to be cut. Mm-hmm. If he is, you definitely go after him and see what he wants on the you know as a free agent. But if you have to trade for Jalen Ramsey and he costs you a two or three, I would still get him. <laughs> yeah. But um, simply because I mean I've heard this question a lot like should the Raiders grab the Jalen Ramsey if he's indeed available and I say yes because they how long has it been since the Raiders have had consistent top-notch cornerback play oh yeah you know so bringing in especially if you're going for it you know let's say you you bring in an Aaron Rodgers I know it would be costly but if you can get a Jalen Ramsey and fit him under the cap along with an Aaron Rodgers that would be a great situation now if you go if you're rolling with Stidham in a rookie I would still try to better your roster and go out to Jalen Ramsey. I just don't think Jalen Ramsey would want to be in that situation at this point in his career, playing for a Super Bowl contender. Remember, he he got his way out of Jacksonville because Jacksonville stunk. I don't think he's going to want to play for a stinky Raiders team at this <laughs> stage of his career. So if he's if if you're going out to Jalen Ramsey, you better be planning on winning some football games in 2023. Yeah, and and, and I, I'm with you because I, I rather have Jalen Ramsey than Rocky Sin. Sorry, I mean, it, it, oh, yeah, he's he's a free agent, and and I mean, he's a Pro Bowl. He's a he's, a, he's a all pro. So it's like I would rather do that. And the Raiders, as I said it with the quarterback situation, the Raiders got to be bold. And I don't think Jalen Ramsey, for the cost, is a bad move. I don't think it's a guy who's like on the downside of his career, and it's a bad signing. The Raiders have done that plenty of times on defense. Corey Littleton, some of these other guys who just haven't panned out. But I don't think Jalen Ramsey's that guy. I think Jalen Ramsey's the guy you throw out there. And to your point, you draft a young guy as well and build up that secondary and hope that Nate Hobbs finds his way back as well. And, and to me, that that is what I would do. I mean, be bold, supplement those draft picks. You got to nail those. But go ahead and get some of these guys. I mean, you need some guys in the front, too. So it's going to be a balancing act. But but I think Dennis is honest. I'm, I would go hard after him if I'm the Raiders. If Jalen's not cut and he's traded, the Raiders would have to restructure his deal because I believe his cap Correct. hit is above twenty five million. So they would have to they would have to restructure that. But you brought up something, and I I just I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but the Raiders have to figure out what they're going to be in twenty twenty three. Are they going to be a team that's going to go all in to win? Are you going to go after Aaron Rodgers and guys like Jalen Ramsey? Or are you going to be a team that says, we'll take a step back in 2023. We're not going to say that, but we'll, we'll say that with our actions by bringing in Jimmy Garoppolo or starting Jared Stidham or, and or a rookie. Because if you are that, the worst thing that can happen to the Raiders, and I was thinking about this on my way home from, from Midtown, the worst thing that can happen to the Raiders is if they go after Aaron Rodgers and some big names and they still wind up 8-9. and nine. Because then that takes them out of the Khalib Williams, Drake May sweepstakes. So now you have, you went for it, you whiffed, you're still mediocre, and you have no shot at getting a top quarterback in the 2024 draft. So the Raiders have to figure out, are we going all in for an 11-6-7 and season? Mm-hmm. Or are we going to intentionally, not intentionally, but are we going to just use 2023 to develop guys develop. Right. and then re- really reload in 2024? Yeah, and it seems to me too. By the way, the fan base is fifty-fifty down the middle on the on that question. Either they want to tank mm-hmm. and they want to try to get Caleb Williams, which I think is a huge gamble because you don't know that you're going to finish in position to get him. There's no no doesn't matter how you, you surprisingly you can win a game here or there, and suddenly you think you're a three-win team and you're a six-win team. You just never know. 
So, so there's no guarantee that if you have a bad year, you're going to be able to pick them. Secondarily, the other half of the thing wants to win now. They want Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> where, where I'm in the middle of, look, you need to do a little bit of both. You need to you need to get some veterans on that team to improve it so that you can be more competitive. But you gotta again, you gotta load up on the young talent and develop it. You look at the Chiefs and what they've been able to do. That's what they've done. Yes, they've gotten key free agents. They brought them in, but they develop their talent in house and it carry them to their second Super Bowl uh, in in five years. Right. So to me, that that's the way to do it. Whether or not they do it, Mo, they're not listening to you and me. Uh, we'll find out soon, though, I would imagine. What's that saying, Scott? You're not a little bit pregnant. You're either pregnant <laughs> or you're not. The Raiders have to decide, are they going to be contenders or not? Because if you're yes. not going to be a contender, then you yeah. have no business giving up draft capital for yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Right? Don't, give up, don't give up the booty. <laughs> you know, Gosh, booty, it's like it's money. It's money. This, this, this is going, like on, this pirate is going booty. off the rails. Yeah, sure. You, you could take it me. another way. It might have had a different meaning. <laughs> Actually, I definitely took it the other way. But. I know you did. That's why I used it. Hey, hey, hey. You, you have to, you have the like I said, the Raiders have to figure out a plan. Like, yeah. what is 2023 going to look like for them? And I think it all depends on what Josh McDaniel's situation is. If Josh McDaniel feels like he has two more years to get it together, mm-hmm. I think you'll see a Jimmy Garoppolo or Jacoby Brissett, Jared Stidham rookie combination. If he feels like he's under pressure, which I think he should be to win games then I think he goes hard for Aaron Rodgers. But I will say, if you get Aaron Rodgers, you better win football games. Because like I said, if you, <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is you get Aaron Rodgers, you go 8-9, eight, 9-8, nine, nine, and eight, he retires, Josh McDaniels get, gets fired, and now right. you've, you're hitting rock bottom with right. pick 15 or 14. Yeah. It's the worst thing that can happen. Worst thing, it's NFL purgatory, and you can't be there. All right. Thank you again, Dennis, for that question. We certainly appreciate it. All right. On to the last question. This comes from Aaron in Walnut Grove, California. That is East Bay, by the way. Um, and he's this one's directly for you, Mo. He says, Scott, I don't want anything to do with you. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. Uh, but he says, Mo, are there any young quarterbacks in the NFL that are on rookie contracts that might be on the trading block that you would be confident the Raiders could take and maybe develop into a franchise quarterback? That's Aaron in Walnut Grove. Any young guys? We talked to Ju- about Justin Fields in the past. We were seeing some talk that the the Bears might actually take a quarterback. I don't believe it, per se. Uh, but outside of Justin Fields, I can't think of anybody. Can you? I can't. You stole my thunder there because I was going to bring up the rumors about maybe the <laughs> Bears trade Justin Fields and draft the quarter. I saw that. That came from Jason LaCanfor of CBS Sports. I I don't think so. I, I think that's just a smokescreen. I think the Bears are trying to drive up the price of the number yeah. one overall pick to give teams Absolutely. a thought that. Maybe they're going to draft Bryce Young. It's, it's a calling to say, hey, give us better offers because we might actually use this number one overall pick on a quarterback. But let's say they don't, right? Let's say those rumors are true. I'm going after Justin Fields. Now, I don't know any other rookie quarterback that I would go after at this point. You know what was, I think, mind-boggling? There were Raider fans out there saying, bring in Zach Wilson. And I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I understand you might live on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast. Were, I've were, watched. Were, were they were they older women looking for younger men? I, maybe because he has the Cougar <laughs> magnet thing going, right? Exactly, but exactly. I mean, oh my goodness, tr- you don't want Zach Wilson on your roster. I no. get it. He's a developmental player, but I, I just don't see it with him. But the, the player that if Justin Fields is somehow available, 
the Raiders would need to jump on that yesterday because I think Justin Fields can be a star. The only thing I worry about is the fit is because Justin Fields ran so much this past season, I don't think Josh McDaniels wants that type of quarterback. I go no. back to that. I think Josh McDaniels wants a quarterback who's going to sit in the pocket and try to pick defenses apart and use his legs a lot less. And yeah. that's why I think C.J. Stroud is a better fit than Bryce Young for the Raiders. Not to say that Bryce Young can't pick teams apart from the pocket, but C.J. Stroud is a little more reluctant to use his legs. Not that he's not athletic as he is, our Bleacher Report scout, Derek Klassen, who does a great job, by the way, compared C.J. Stroud to an athletic version of Jared Goff. Mm-hmm. Now, if you if you like, if you think that's appealing, I think for Josh McDaniels it is, because, again, pocket quarterback, doesn't use his legs a lot, may struggle with at, off-platform throws, but you can also work on a quarterback in that aspect. We saw John Gruden do it with Derek Carr. So just because a quarterback is not good at extending plays and using his legs doesn't mean he'll never be good at it. If, if he works on it, if the coaching staff works on it with him, he can improve in that area. Well, no, and that, and that's why I was going back and forth with somebody today about Richardson out of Florida, and, and uh, somebody pushed back on me because I said, I don't like him. I can't believe that he's being reported as a first-rounder. I really can't. Not because the kid isn't talented. He's got talent. But he's not accurate. His balls are not good. And to me, that's the one thing that more than anything would concern me. When guys don't throw to routes correctly, when they throw the ball high, when they're not accurate. You look at C.J. Stroud, to your point, there's things he's got to work on. But at the same time, he's deadly accurate and he throws great balls. So, like, at least you have that going for you, especially in a game where you got to limit turnovers. And if you're a rookie quarterback and you're turning the ball over, which you know they're going to do, but if you're doing it at a high rate, then you're in big trouble. So that's why I don't like him. That's why I think you see Will Levis still associated with the Raiders. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen. But I see why, because he's not a guy who's going to run out of the pocket at the time. He can move, right? Uh, but he's not a running quarterback. He's mobile enough, but he can sit in the pocket and do what you want. And I think that's why people are looking at Josh McDaniels and saying, well, Will Levis fits that system uh, if you like him, but uh, it'll be interesting. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody out there. I mean, Jordan Love is not going anywhere in Green Bay. I, no. You know, They got to see him and see what they're going to do with him if, if Rodgers doesn't come back. So I, I don't see any other quarterbacks out there that are are on a rookie deal that would be appealing or aren't happy where they're at where but, the Raiders could step in. And this is why I said Mac Jones was appealing. And a lot of yeah. people push back. And that still could happen, Mac. Mo. It still could it, happen. It could still happen. You know, I know they brought in Bill O'Brien, who has a relationship with him when Bill O'Brien was on his way to Alabama and Mac Jones is on his way out. But if, if Mac Jones were to somehow be available, he would be the first guy I would look at. And I know a lot of people go, he's a dirty player. I don't like Mac Jones. He fits exactly what Josh McDaniels would want in a young quarterback. So right. if, that, if that were ever to become an option, I would definitely hop on it. But as far as rookie quarterbacks are concerned on a rookie deal that could possibly compete for a starting job, I have nothing for you. I mean, unless... <laughs> it's a good I question. Mean, unless, it's, a, it's a very good question. And I'm... And and I'm trying to scan rosters now as I as I talk to you, and it's yeah. just really, and people will say Trey Lance, right? Yeah. And I know because Brock way Brock Purdy ended this past season. Again, I don't think Trey Lance fits what Josh McDaniels would want. He's he, he's athletic and uses legs, but he, I don't think he showed enough with his arm. And I think again, I think Josh McDaniels honestly not that he wants a statue back there. But he doesn't. He wants a quarterback that's not gonna pull the ball down too quickly and take off and run. And I think Trey Lance is still in that stage of his career. 
Yeah, and I like I like it because I watched him play in college at Cincinnati. I like Desmond Ritter at Atlanta, but I don't think he fits the system, and his size I think is limiting uh, for Josh McDaniels as well. So so I don't see him as a fit. Like because if Carr were to go, Gilbert uh, when he was on earlier, Mo talked about Atlanta being a possible spot for Derek Carr, which is the first time I've heard that. But I think you might have mentioned it before. But uh, anyway, so so I don't I just don't see any guy. It was not a good quarterback class last year. So so if you look at guys that are one year in or two years in, there's just not that many out there that are uh, that are worthy, I think, of trading up. That's why I think the Raiders need to trade up in the first round if they like one of these quarterbacks and go get them, do their best to try to get them. If they don't, then you sit back and you wait till next year and you ride with what you got. But I'll be interesting. But thank you, man. We appreciate your question as always. And that's going to be our last question. We're going to close out this edition of Silver and Black today. Mo, what do you got coming up? What do people need to devour your content? It's Friday, right? You have a, a show coming up on Friday? Show coming up on Friday. My executive producer already let me know that the show will be headlined by the one and only Derek Carr. So there'll be a lot of Derek Carr talk there. I think I'm going to finally close the book on the Derek Carr <laughs> era in Las Vegas slash Oakland. I don't know. I'll be done with it after Friday. I thought, you, were, I, they... I, I thought you meant he was coming on your show. <laughs> I wish that would be great because then I could just have him speak and then maybe have his uh, tell-all book or his spill the tea moment, and he could spill just give me a bunch of a bunch of things that people can cling on to. But yeah, I'm gonna close basically close the chapter on this whole Derek Carr thing live on the BR show, and then we're gonna get into who his replacement could be, which we get into a lot on this show. But I, I'll mm-hmm. break down the prospects and basically who fits and who doesn't for Josh McDaniels. And of course, talk about free agency since free agency is first before the draft. I mean, a lot of people like to talk about the draft, but remember, free agency is first. First. And what you do in free agency impacts what you do during the draft. Absolutely. And we're going to get a lot of free agent talk going here on Silver and Black today as we look at needs for the Raiders over the last, next couple of weeks. And we'll bring on some guests as well for that to assess the free agent market and what the Raiders might be doing. We, we mentioned Jalen Ramsey if he gets cut. Uh, and some other guys, some other big names out there, actually, that you want to take a look at. And then we'll do that as well. Also, next show, we're going to talk about, I don't know if you watched it yet, Mo. I'm going to give you some homework. The 30 for 30, The Bullies of Baltimore. Have you watched it yet? Yeah, I watched it when it first premiered. It was good. Okay. It was a good uh, 30 for 30. We'll talk about the Saragusa Al Davis story. I have some inside information on whether uh. that's true or not. And and God bless Tony Saragusa. I know he passed uh, and was in this documentary. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they shot it, I think, just right before he passed away. So we'll, we'll get into that on the next show, which will be fun. Uh, but you can join us uh, by subscribing to the podcast. So wherever you get your podcast, make sure you do that. Turn on the auto downloads. If you're listening to us on 98.5 The Bet and 1140 The Bet, we will talk to you next week at the same time. And uh, we certainly appreciate you listening to us over the radio. Mo, my friend, I will see you next time around. Special thanks to the people who've been following the whole Midtown Mo movement. I appreciate you guys and guys oh, out there. Watching me live, watching me yes. here with Scott, I, I really, really appreciate it. Well, and again, there's Midtown Mo uh, uh, surprises coming up soon, and those are, those, are, <laughs> those are in the works. They take they take time because you know Silver and Black today. We always try to do things first rate here, so we gotta we gotta do them first rate. So they're on the way, uh, and we'll certainly do that. All right, buddy, take care of yourself. All right. For Mo Moten, for our producer, David Stepanian, I am Scott Branson. Thank you guys all for being with us here on Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Please be good to one another out there, and we will talk to you next time. Take care.